1: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Thursday, September the 21st edition of the Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and if you can't tell from my voice and my lack of energy already, I am fighting a pretty bad cold. But I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football anyway. And on today's show, all about the New York Jets game on Sunday at MetLife Stadium, 1 o'clock Eastern. I'll be previewing that Jets game with former AFC East Bros podcast host and my good friend Kyle Smith. Going to let him do some of the heavy lifting for me on the show today, talking about the Jets offensively as well as defensively. But first, guys, as you know, I got to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tuned in wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and drop me a five-star rating, write me a nice little review. Helps the podcast grow, helps to get out to more Dolphins fans. And don't forget to check out the Lockdown Sports family of podcasts Including the Lockdown NFL podcast and the Lockdown Heat podcast for national and local coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show on Twitter at LockdownFins. And check out my personal website, thirdand10.com, where the week two quarterback grades are up right now. Some Jay Cutler stuff on there for you. Where does he rank in week two? Where does he rank for the season in terms of all the quarterbacks across the league? Some gifs, some scouting notes, all the good stuff you're looking for there at thirdand10.com. And I also have to tell you guys about MyBookie.ag. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm always talking about college football, betting on the games, as well as the NFL, betting on games. And a lot of people ask me for my advice on who I got this week in certain games, spreads, over-under, all that stuff. Well, let me tell you this. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I always tell people to go to MyBookie.ag. MyBookie has been in business for years, and the reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, it's seriously only two business days, much better than other services I've used before, just the two day payout. And you know who's going to win, right? So lay down some cash on the, on the big games and win big today. I wouldn't put my name on something if I didn't believe in it, and mybookie.ag has been that good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game betting, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, all the fun props, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go an absolute breeze. For a limited time only, join mybookie now, and they will match any deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use promo code Locked on to activate that offer again. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, before I get to Kyle here in a, in a couple of minutes, just wanted to talk about the Jets Dolphins game coming up on Sunday again at MetLife Stadium, one o'clock Eastern Time. Dolphins 1 and 0, Jets 0 and 2. And if you've been following the Jets narrative at all this offseason, their entire plan is to play for the, the highest possible draft pick they can obtain to find their quarterback of the future. We all know about 2018 being the year of the quarterback in terms of college football and bringing those prospects up to the next level. So the Jets seem well on their way to achieving that goal. They kept Todd Bowles around kind of as a seat warmer until they, you know, kind of clean house at the end of the offseason. We'll get to more to that in more detail with Kyle, as as I'm sure he knows much more about it than I do, but just kind of want to talk about where the Jets might be as a team at this point. They just got back from Oakland after getting completely annihilated by the Raiders. You know, the whole Marshawn Lynch dancing on the sideline thing. This is their home opener. I imagine the crowd's going to be probably out in full force with the bags over their heads. But still, even with all that said, even with the Dolphins coming off the emotional win and everything that they have going for them right now, and you know getting a win in adverse circumstances, it just strikes me as one of those games that's going to be a bit of a struggle just because, I mean, what else would it be? Adam Gaze is kind of... You know, he's been awesome. There's no question about that, the what he the impact he's had on this team. But his formula, and it's not on purpose, I'm sure, has kind of been to outplay teams throughout the course of three or four quarter or three and a half quarters, I should say, of the game, outgain them, you know, get into the red zone more, and then they kinda of bog down or something happened, some type of critical error, whether it was a missed kick last year, a blocked kick, or failed red zone attempts or failed first and goal attempts, like two that the two they had in Los Angeles last Sunday, they just seem to kind of shoot themselves in the foot enough to keep the game close and then they find a way to win at the end of the game at the end of games, which is a great characteristic in and of itself that you can find ways to win games at late in the end in adverse situations. But also you'd like to see them kinda of put the the foot down on the pedal a little harder and kinda of bury teams when they have the opportunity. Last year they had a chance with the Niners in that game, leading by seventeen points going into the fourth quarter, or early in the fourth quarter I should say. And Colin Kaepernick led the the Niners back into that game and had a chance to tie it on the final play of the game. And the Dolphins luckily held serve. Would have been you know the end of the playoff run or the the end of the opportunity to make the playoffs if that game had gone the other way. So it'd be nice to see the Dolphins put their foot down and, and really bury a, a a bad football team in the New York Jets. And um, I don't want to get too much more into the Jets since we have Kyle coming on here in a minute. But I do want to talk about the injury report because that's something that's pretty tangible that like we can discuss right now. And if you look at the Dolphins injury report... There were five players that did not practice on Thursday, and one that was a limited participant in practice, and then Damian Williams was listed as a full participant in practice. The limited player was Jarvis Landry. We know kind of what he does and and how he can respond to being injured or playing hurt, and he even went off the field late last week in the Chargers victory when he got tangled up at the end of a play and it was actually a very impressive Ajayi run and even more impressive block by Landry where he got kind of rolled up on comes off the field comes back on the next play he was limited he'll be fine that's just what he does he plays every week Jay Ajayi did not practice I gotta imagine that's more of a kind of preserving the workhorse and, and what he does I mean the guy is just a, a load and doesn't really need to practice as much as he needs to play on Sunday so he'll be fine Ray Luga did not practice but I mean, who really cares at this point? Devontae Parker didn't practice with the Dolphins. Said, I think he'll be okay to go on Sunday. Jordan Phillips did not practice. He was actually in a walking boot. That does not look good for Sunday. Hopefully he's back for the London trip. And then Mike Pouncey also did not practice. But as you guys know, he's in bubble wrap throughout the course of the week. So keeping him on ice, Jay Ajayi on ice, and then Devontae Parker probably something similar along those lines. So Dolphins appear to be at mostly full strength, maybe down Jordan Phillips, I'd imagine, in that game. As for the New York Jets... Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams, the two big notable names, were limited participants in practice on Thursday. I imagine they'll play, but those are two of their best players at this point of the season. Four guys did not practice. Jordan Leggett, the rookie tight end. uh, Eric Tomlinson, excuse me. Mohammed Wilkerson was a DNP as well, and Brian Winters a starting left guard. So those are some big names if those guys were to miss the game could have a big impact on the game, especially those offensive linemen having to deal with the Dolphins' stout defensive front. And then obviously Wilkerson and Leonard Williams being would be big losses for the Jets in this game. But even if the Jets are at full health, you would hope the Dolphins can go in and beat them. So I will get you guys my score prediction at the end of the episode when we have Kyle on. And I'll let you know what that is. But first, got to remind you guys about our new partnership with Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus is kind of revolutionary in terms of their impact on the National Football League. If you watch the Sunday night games on NBC, they have the positional ranks. And that is from Pro Football Focus. So they have made their way into the mainstream media. And what PFF is doing with us is giving away a free edge subscription, which is a $40 value. And the way you can win that edge subscription is by writing a review on this podcast and leaving your Twitter handle in that review. And we'll choose one person at random from the entire Locked On podcast network for each week to win a free PFF Edge subscription. Again, it's a $40 value. NFL player grades, snap counts, positional ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, and charts, NFL draft coverage, and PFF profile, and stats of those college players team and player pages featuring PFF stats. Also, Jeff Radcliffe, director of Fantasy for Pro Football Focus, will join the Locked On Fantasy podcast every Thursday for 10 minutes, and Mike Renner will join the Locked On NBA podcast every Wednesday. Again, a free PFF Edge subscription to one random draw. All you have to do is go ahead and write a review on this podcast and leave your Twitter handle in there, and they will pick one person at random for a free PFF Edge subscription every week A $40 value. Again, that's profootballfocus.com. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show, at Locked On Fins. And we are going to go ahead and get our guest on the line right after this. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, Hi, Leanne. Longtime listener. First-time caller. (laughs) Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know... When you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will.
1: GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.
0: And joining the podcast now is someone I consider to be a good friend, although we've never even met, and although he wears the wrong shade of green. It was on his program that I popped my podcast cherry, the AFC East Bros podcast was such a great mix of personality and informative football talk. That is, of course, Kyle Smith. Kyle, how you doing, man?
1: Man, I'm so glad that you reached out to us way back in, what was it, last August, uh, saying, listening to a couple episodes of the show, and that you'd like to come on, like, you know, who is this guy? because you know, A <laughs> lot of the emails that we used to get were kind of like, you know, from Joe Schmo, average guy, but lo and behold, little did I know that you would go on to become this, I would say, masterful NFL analyst that you are. I really enjoy your stuff, Travis, and I'm so glad that you sent that email to us and that it started, a, I would say, a, a long friendship.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely has. and I really appreciate the kind words, man. I, I really miss the program. I mean, I know you guys got your own thing going on now, but uh, I, I miss having you guys every Tuesday and, and listening to you and Gary Bicker and and of course, Fahey and all the other guys that get on the show, but uh, it was a good time, and I, I definitely appreciate the kind words. And I, I was, um, you know, kind of bragging to you on the podcast earlier about how, or bragging about you, I should say, about your your Twitter content and how you're still putting up the gifs. And it's we don't got to talk about the GIF, GIF anything anymore. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, it's I, I like seeing your your GIF breakdown, so I wanted to get you on talk about the Jets game a little bit today. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean. I mean, I don't know how you do it, man. Uh, and I just have a ton of respect for the amount of work that you put in. I even wonder if you do sleep. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, not only are you covering the Dolphins as in depth as you do, but you're also doing like deep dive on all the quarterbacks. And obviously, you do a decent amount of scouting in the college game. So I don't know how you do it, man. And for me, it was kind of like I-, I needed to scale back a little bit just because, you know, covering the four teams as in depth as I did, it was a lot for me. But now I focus more on my efforts on the Jets and. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing I always want to do is just kind of throw up a lot of stuff and really have some strong takes on the Jets. So I'm here to give
0: them to you, man. And it is is a good follow, guys. It's at AFC East Bros. It's Kyle Smith. Like you said, if you're interested in the rest of the AFC East, like, I mean, a lot of fans don't really care about other teams, but I, I always care about what's going on, especially inside the division. So Kyle Smith is a great follow for that reason. And uh, yeah, let's just get into this game real quick, Kyle. And I wanted to ask you about a few things here mainly. And the first thing that jumped off the screen to me when I watched the Jets was, and I think it's pretty obvious for a lot of Jets fans too, is the two rookie safeties, Marcus May and Jamal Adams. And I just want to get your feelings on what you think of these guys through two games, what you think of them long-term, and kind of riff about their differences in style of play and just what they kind of bring to the table.
1: I think so far in two games, my opinions on them are the same as they were after we drafted them. I love Jamal Adams. I didn't love the pick at 6, but um, you know, he kind of is what he is. He's as advertised, you know, he was known as this, uh, you know, this this energy bunny runs all over the field. And we saw that in Oakland last week where, you know, basically he rushes off of the edge on the left-hand side, you know, and Marshawn Lynch runs all the way to the opposite side, and Jamal Adams has to hurdle over uh, his own players who are on the ground and then he ba- makes a goal-line saving tackle on Marshawn Lynch. Uh, he's very versatile. You know, you can play him single high, even though the Jets haven't been doing that. And I, I wish they would do that a little bit more. Um, you can put him in the box as a safety. You can put him as a linebacker. You can slide him out and play a little bit of slot corner. Uh, he's definitely one of the best players on the Jets thus far. Uh, he's been pretty good. He had a little um, – co- he had a couple coverage busts uh, week one against the Bills. But, again, he is still a rookie. So – um uh, one thing that's been a little disappointing about him, and you could see this on his college tape, is he's still diving at running backs' ankles too much. Uh, he missed some tackles in the preseason going against Amir Abdullah. And, you know, this is a different game in the NFL. You're going against much better runners. You have to run and drive your feet through the tackle and wrap. You can't just be diving at people's ankles, especially when you do that. You're going to give the running back an opportunity to fall forward and get a couple extra yards. So I want to see him sure up on that a little bit. But he's still been, by all, by and large, very good so far. Marcus May, on the other hand, I have, I did not like this pick at 39 and I still don't like it. Uh, And after a pretty solid showing in Oakland last week, people were saying, oh, the two safeties, they're great. Well, Marcus May was pretty damn bad week one. By my account, he was responsible for two touchdowns. You know, he was in man coverage on the goal line against Charles Clay. Charles Clay gave him the head fake to the inside. Marcus May bit hard on it, stepped inside. Charles Clay easily went outside, man coverage, touchdown. Uh, and then Marcus May made a, a um, he made a mental error on the goal line later in the game. He's in man coverage against Andre Holmes. Andre Holmes runs behind the whole offensive line. Uh, it was a play-action play. Marcus May bid on the PA, and then Andre Holmes is easily wide open. On the left-hand side, scoots in for another touchdown. But it wasn't just that, too. You know, what was Marcus May supposed to be good at? And the one thing that I thought he was at least okay at in college was, you know, he could come down in the run game and, and lay a lick on a runner. Um, but I never thought he was great at it, this, but a lot of other people thought that he was. And sometimes I think he's too timid in the run game. Um, sometimes like I feel like when he's, got, when he's in open space, sometimes like, you know, I was kind of taught in high school, you know, break down and make sure that you just make the tackle. Which, you know, it makes some kind of sense, but you're letting the runner make the first move. You're letting the runner deliver the blow. You're gonna let the runner take advantage of you. And we saw that week one, he had Shady in the open field. And Shady can make the best of the miss, but, you know, he was way too passive on that. He did play a little bit better in that respect um, week two, where he had a very nice open field tackle against Marshawn Lynch. He also had a big hit on Jared Cook, and he gave up no passes in um, that Oakland game. But the thing is this, and I was really shocked to see this. Todd Bowles has been playing Marcus May almost the vast majority of the time, as the single high safety. And I did not see that skill set of him in college. In fact, he gave up a lot of touchdowns his senior year, or not his senior year, his last two years in coverage. And I never saw that type of range that you'd want as a guy playing in those single high looks all the time. And the reality is the Jets are 32nd in run defense right now. And so teams haven't had to throw the ball against the Jets. And I wonder, once teams have to throw the ball more – And they're going to throw it deep more often. May is going to be tested more. Are we going to see him exposed yet in that instance? And just because he hasn't really been exposed as the deep safety yet doesn't mean that he won't. So I still need to see that from him. So I'm going to temper my expectations and um, my belief in May a little bit more at this point than a lot of other Jets fans are.
0: That's a really good transition into my next question for you, because in game one for the Dolphins, they really rode Jay Ajayi. He had 28 carries. He was on the field for 64 out of the 68 offensive snaps, which I've never seen that before, at least in in the modern era of football with, you know, rotations and and sub packages and stuff. So I was curious to get your thoughts on them, because along with them, and and I know the cornerbacks last year really struggled with, with the Jets, and I haven't really had a chance to see how they've performed so far this year. I know you guys still have Buster Screen, which <laughs> I think he's oh, kind God. of the <laughs> public enemy number one there in New York. But um, I was curious to ask you simply because you know the Dolphins have this three-headed receiving core, and also they they ran Julius Thomas out for 65 out of those 68 snaps last week. So with Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, and uh, you know a, a, a former shadow of what he used to be, Julius Thomas, how do you guys how do you ex- how do you expect the Jets to defend those guys?
1: How do I expect the Jets to defend those guys? Uh, uh, I mean, the thing is, what are the Dolphins going to do? Are the Dolphins going to run the ball a lot? And if I were the Dolphins, I would run the ball a lot because, Travis, I mean, you said that you, you watched a lot of the GIFs that I was posting out. The Jets are just horrible in run defense, and the biggest reason why is these linebackers. Not only did you lose Sheldon Richardson on the defensive line, but the linebackers, they, first of all, they can't cover anybody in pass coverage, but the more disappointing thing is how bad they are in in the run game and week one. So Miami runs a lot of outside zone, right? Yeah. You know, and obviously Buffalo now with their new uh, coordinator, Rick Dennison, they run a lot of outside zone as well. And a lot of outside zone is designed to have a cutback. Now, Darren Lee is not a processor at all. He doesn't know where to go. I've been saying this. If you give him a certain gap, tell him to shoot the gap, he's got a decent amount of athleticism. He can do that. But if he has to read and he's responsible for multiple gaps, tendencies are he's going to mess it up. And so many times he was guessing the wrong place that he had to be, and there was a big cutback lane for either Shady or Big Mike Tolbert. And the same thing with DeMario Davis, who is a terrible, horrific linebacker. Julian Stanford, (laughs) our our other inside linebacker, is terrible as well. So I don't know how we're going to stop Jay Ajayi. I don't know at all. Because even if Ajayi – even if Darren Lee happens to meet Ajayi in the hole, he's not the best tackler in the world. So, I mean, uh, how are the Jets going to plan on uh, stopping the Dolphins? I don't exactly know what would be their plan. (laughs) Um, I guess you'd want to blitz Jay Cutler a lot because – you know, he's a quarterback that's shown that, you know, one under pressure, he can make a rash decision. Bulls likes to blitz. So I anticipate on them bl- uh, blitzing him a lot, but I don't know if it's going to be effective. I certainly don't think it's going to be ex- uh, effective, and I don't see how we're going to stop your guys running attack.
0: And the reason I asked about the passing game was because, and this, this is probably a little bit, egotistical thinking from a mindset of a team that really hasn't been a powerhouse by any means over the last several years. But a lot of Dolphins fans, you know, we lost the the bye week because of the hurricane and everything. A lot of Dolphins fans are kind of projecting this as well as the Week Seven matchup as our bye weeks. And I mean, I know that there are the Jets. The Jets' goal is to you know get themselves in position to draft a quarterback next year. That seems to be the the overwhelming. You know, organizational goal, but at the same time, the Dolphins aren't really one of these teams that have the luxury of going into a game thinking like they're just going to roll in there and beat anybody, no matter how bad they are. Because the Dolphins have to earn that first, so I'm I'm concerned about what they do. With Jay Ajayi because he he's been out of practice the last two games. That's a heavy workload for Week One. Twenty eight carries, sixty four yeah. reps, as I mentioned. So I'll be curious to see his workload and see how they get Kenyon Drake involved. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a lot more carries because he only had one last week. But that that actually transitions well into my next point because I wanted to ask you about the running backs for the Jets. And you know I've seen on Twitter a lot of Jets fans and I see it myself too. I've always liked Bilal Powell. I thought he was a good runner, and they still seem to want to feed Matt Forte more than him. So. What are your thoughts on those two running backs, and who do you think will get the lion's share of the carries on Sunday?
1: I mean, this—it's crazy. This is part of the reason why both my brother, myself, my good buddy Joe Blewett, and so many other Jets fans, Bowles is really clueless. He has a, a strange affinity and attachment to veteran players for whatever reason. They follow his assignments better. I don't—I don't know what it is exactly, and. There's no way you cannot look at the film last year and tell me that Matt Forte was better than Bilal Powell. It wasn't even close, in my opinion. Bilal Powell was phenomenal at the end of the last season. He was even hurt against you guys, if I'm not mistaken, um, in that December matchup at MetLife Stadium. And he still cracked off a couple big runs, even though we got down big in that game. He made a couple nice plays in the passing game. He was excellent in the 49ers game. He's clearly the better runner. But for whatever reason, the Jets still want to feed Matt Forte and give him, you know, the majority of the snaps. Honestly, if I were and it's not my focus as a Jets fan, I want us to lose. So I'm actually cool (laughs) with us playing Forte, to be honest. But um, if I wanted to win games, I would actually start splitting Matt Forte's carries and his reps with our rookie six-round pick Elijah McGuire. Because that dude, let me tell you what, he was phenomenal this preseason and he had some good college tape to show off with it as well.
0: Yeah, I, I would. But
1: definitely the better runner to, I, to answer your question.
0: I, I can't even see why they would keep Forte on the roster at this point. I mean, you get the purge with Eric Decker, and you know, you mentioned David Harris and the other veterans they got rid of this season. It Matt Forte really seemed to fall into that group of players. So I was really surprised to see <laughs> not only him stick around, but also get such a bulk of the workload. Now, the other thing I was curious about, Kyle, and I mentioned it before you came on was the injury report and how Brian Winters was a was a no or a, a DNP, a no did not practice. And the Dolphins' strength on defense is clearly the defensive line and the rotation of the defensive line. So I was curious to ask you what the offensive line has looked like through two games and how they're going to deal with you know, Cam Wake and Dominick Sue, William Hayes, Charles Harris, uh, all these guys the Dolphins can throw at you.
1: Yeah, this is a concerning part to me, um, you know, especially in the passing game. You know, how are we going to pass block these guys? Because I don't think the Jets are particularly strong in the pass block game. They're better, the offensive line is better in the run game. You know, Cam Wake has eaten the Jets alive for years. Charles Harris, very refined pass rusher. And the the main problem is is our offensive tackles. Now, where our strength is is at guards, Carpenter and Winners. So, obviously, if you're missing one of those guards, your line becomes even more weak. Another thing with Winners too, is our center, Wesley Johnson, who a good amount of Jets fans, I'd say, they thought he was going to be a seamless transition from Nick Mangold. Oh, he's not really a big downgrade from Nick Mangold. And I actually kind of thought that as well until I kind of did more of a deep dive on his film. You know, he really doesn't make any impressive plays. And kind of having those two, I would say, better than average guards, uh, they really kind of show up some of uh, Wesley Johnson's deficiencies. So if winners happens to be a no-go, it's going to be a pretty big loss for the Jets, to be honest. Um, and just thinking about, you know, winners against Sue. I would say that um, the first matchup that these guys ever won against each other, I believe, was that London game week four of the 2015 season. And people were saying, oh, Winners had a great game against Sue. Um, I I can't totally remember that, to be honest. I do remember people talking about that. But since then, I would say that Sue's kind of dominated Winners, to be honest, especially uh, in the pass rush department. So that's a really big concern. Uh, our offensive tackles, Kelvin Beachum. I mean, Travis, help me out here. <laughs> I don't know of a single left tackle in NFL history that has been six-two and been successful.
0: Can you think of one? <laughs> no, I don't. Cause I'm sure the arms match too.
1: Yes, exactly. And if you watch, you know, I put out a, a GIF this past weekend, uh, or this a couple of days ago, of uh, Bruce Irvin beating Kelvin Beachum with length. And I mean, he's he's really short. He's not even good too. I mean, like he doesn't move the way that he used to post ACL surgery. So that's a concern. Uh, Brandon Shell, he's still kind of almost a rookie at this point because he didn't play much last year. Um, you know, certain Jets fans say are saying, like, oh wow, he played really good in the Raiders game. I am, I am not sold to say that he played really good in the Raiders game. If you want to compare him to how other Jets played, fine. He played good in comparison to other Jets. But it's not like he played well. You know, he was, and Khalil Mack is a beast, no doubt. But there were also times when, um, you know, In the passing game, he was going against some defense. I don't even know this defensive tackle of the Raiders. And he he completely whiffed on the block, too. So our tackles are the bigger concern for me. And you guys have always had uh, pretty good edge rushers. Cameron Wake is really going to scare me. Uh, Charles Harris, even though he's a rookie, I feel like he could still beat some of these guys, especially Beachum. And I'm not a fan of Andre Branch, but, you know, he could probably beat our tackles for sure. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And, Sue, you know, he could beat either one of our guards, too. So... It's uh, I would give the strength. I would give the nod to Miami for sure, and okay. your defensive line versus our offensive line.
0: It's funny you mentioned Andre Branch and how you didn't weren't impressed with him because I forgot to talk about him as mentioning our defensive line. So that's kind of how I feel about him as well. But um, you know, Kyle, I, I I love that no matter how much you want the tank, you still mention you know being scared of these certain things, and the Jets fans always going to come out on you, and I really appreciate that about you because you're talking to a guy <laughs> right now that. It's the first year I had the NFL Sunday ticket was 2007, which I don't know if you remember this, but the Dolphins went 1-15 that year, didn't win a game until week 14, or, or I think maybe it was... Greg
1: Camarillo, yeah, was it
0: Camarillo? Yeah, Greg Camarillo, the dream killer, as Jim Rome called him, because Jim Rome wanted the Dolphins to go 0-16. Uh, but I, I actually have, I still have every VHS tape from that 2007 season somewhere in a box in a garage somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I, I'm just, you know, no matter how much you want those high draft picks come game day, it's kind of hard to, you know, separate yourself from the fan that you are. So... With that in mind, uh, I want to get your prediction here in a second after this next segment. But uh, I just wanted to ask you if the Jets are going to give the Dolphins a problem, you know, I talked about Jamal Adams, and you mentioned he's a good player, and Bilal Powell, and all that stuff. And I know you're a big Robbie Anderson guy, too. If the the Jets are going to give the Dolphins a problem, where is it going to come from?
1: Yeah, to your point about Robbie, and I know this isn't about Robbie, I kind of think that Robbie can become your your guy's Kenny Stills. He can become our Kenny Stills. I really see that in him, Uh, even though he's kind of, he's definitely smaller than what Stills is. But anyway, to your point, if we could give the Dolphins a problem, I would say that if we're playing the right running backs, if we're playing Powell, if we're not giving Forte an inordinate amount of snaps, we could give you guys some trouble with our running game, even though it hasn't been good this season. It hasn't been good at all. It's been actually pretty terrible. I still think that you know, if we have Winters playing, if we have Carpenter playing – those guys, they're better um, run blockers than they are in, in pass protection. And I don't think that you guys have a good run defense. And in that first matchup when we played you guys last year, we gassed you a couple times. Even old man Forte gassed you guys a couple times. Um, you guys don't have Timmons, Mr. AWOL Timmons. No, you know, goodness. I, was listening, I was listening to your previous episodes, and you are like, <laughs> I don't even remember a football player going AWOL. I got a story for you. Your former cornerback, slot cornerback Dimitri Patterson, when he came over to the Jets, he went AWOL. And we never heard from them again. So (laughs) it does happen every now and then. Um, But anyway, I think that we could, if we're, if we stay committed to the running game and that's a tough thing to do, especially if we get down big in this game, um, it's obviously going to be tough to do that. And that's what happened. when We played you guys in the second matchup, but if we stay committed to it, um, I think we can, you know, rattle off three, four or five yard runs because I don't think that you guys have the linebackers there. You don't have Ray Kiko. I'm not a fan of Kiko. Um, you know, uh, and Stefan Anthony, I mean, yes, you know, you probably like the move. You know, he is a talented guy. You hope that with proper coaching he can p- become that guy. But the reality is he hasn't been with you guys all offseason. So you can't expect him to come in and just be, you know, really good at the linebacker spot. And I do like our running backs. I don't love Forte for what he is on this current team right now. But um, I-, I love Powell. And I love our, our six round pick uh, Elijah McGuire. So I think if we stay committed to the running game, I think that could keep the game close to us, and we could pop off a couple big runs. And it will keep um, it will keep the third downs more manageable for McCown because you can't expect McCown to go out there and on third and eight and convert. He doesn't have the receivers to do that stuff, but if it's third and three, if it's third and four, okay, then we can maybe pick up a couple conversions and keep the offense on the field. So I think our running game could give you guys a little bit of trouble, if that makes sense.
0: No, that's a great point too, and and there's – you know, obviously in the NFL there's always a great discrepancy between third and short compared to third and long in terms of conversion rate, right? I think the Dolphins really perpetuate that – that standard in the NFL just because you know like you mentioned we do have a good pass rush but our our zone style of corners are so they're not really that quick, twitchy. They don't really move around all that well, so they're kind of tough to, or they have a, a lot of problems sometimes when it comes to the short passing game. So if they can keep that third and short, like you mentioned, they can actually give the defense some problems. And the listeners on this podcast know how how bearish I am when the Dolphins back seven the linebackers and corners. I don't, you know, I'm pretty terrified of all of that. So I, I agree with that, and I do kind of wish that you guys had already pulled the plug on Josh McCown because as bad as he might be, I think that what's behind him is a lot is a lot worse. I <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. So uh, if you know. If, if he can stay, and that Bills game, I kind of noticed that he he was staying on schedule and he was staying consistent and making decent throws and he wasn't killing the team. And then they got behind and that all went out the window because he had to make some throws and he, he's not capable of doing that. So I think that's the same idea. And before I give you mine, Kyle, I just want to get a score prediction from you from on this game.
1: Score prediction. I think the Dolphins will win by 10 points. We are that bad. So I'm going to say...
0: 30 to 20 Dolphins. That's pretty close to what I have. I have 27 to 19. Some weird field goals for the Jets. A lot of field goals. And then uh, just the Dolphins kind of getting their rhythm going on offense finally. So... 27 to 19, Kyle says 320, right in the same ballpark. The spread is seven, I believe is what I saw for the Dolphins, which is, I don't know, the last time they were seven-point favorites in New York. Had to be the damn Reno days, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, it kind of tells you where these two organizations are going at this point. And that brings us to our next and last part here, Kyle. I want you to give me, you you talked about it a little bit before we went on the air. You haven't really done a deep dive into the quarterbacks. It's kind of my realm. Curious to see which of the, you know, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, I'll even throw in Luke Fox. That's my dude. Uh, which, which of these quarterbacks are you really uh, looking at in the first round next year?
1: Well, I've done a little bit of a dive, and I've certainly read, I think, everything that you've put out on these young guys. And by the way, if I've missed one of your articles, then please send it over my way because I'd love to read it. But um, yeah, I, I can't say that it's like I've put hours into studying them yet, but I have watched a little bit of them. I've been following threads about them. Um I'm monitoring their situations because now the thing is, Travis. I'm getting scared that these guys won't declare. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm not really gonna. I think this is gonna be Peyton Manning all over again. For the Dolphins <laughs> fans that don't know, we had the first round, the first overall pick the year Peyton Manning could. He was first eligible for the draft, and he said, "You know what? I'll go back to Tennessee." <laughs> so, um, you know, and lo and behold, we've it's been terrible at quarterback. but soon. hey so uh we, could have, we An- could have had one of the goats
0: andrew um, looked. andrew looked at the same thing to the panthers and they went up with cam newton which you know looked good but now it's a little bit dicier but uh anyway it, it, there's uh, definitely a definitely a big tree of guys that are available for you
1: yes uh, but to answer your question um i know you're a big allen guy but for me i would I, I much i much prefer rosen Darnold, and um lamar jackson over allen i think allen is far too reckless with the ball and i understand That um, he doesn't have any talent around him, he's got to be the hero, and that's part of the reason why he probably makes a lot more of these daring mistakes. But I don't know. I I still think that he probably could rein it in a little bit more. And like for example, that when you put out this gif where you know he breaks three tackles on a scramble, like throw the ball away at this point. Don't kind of keep looking downfield to the point where you make a sack. I feel like he's still a little too reckless with the ball. Kind of like kind of, and I don't know where you stand on Cutler, but. I feel like Cutler's always been a little bit more reckless. He's, he's very reckless. I think you need to, as a quarterback, toe that line between when do I have that confidence that someone like Dan Marino had, but at the same time you realize that the play is over and you got to just throw it away versus I think I can make every damn throw and I'm just going to throw it no matter what. And I think that Allen has a little bit too much of that in him. But um, I, I, probably, I probably like Darnold the most. Out of all of them, I love how he is late in games. As Matt Miller just recently said, the dude is ice cold. I I, I was watching the end of that game, being that I'm a University of Texas fan. Um, (laughs) Rosen, I mean, listen, I love Lamar Jackson. Uh, I feel like he's got a strong arm. I feel like, you know, he manipulates defenders with his eyes. Uh, his running ability is second to none, but that scares me because I don't want my quarterback to be hurt because the best availability is availability, as they say. And yes, at, at the same time, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, Rosen and Darnold are running more pro-style concepts, even Allen more pro-style concepts than Jackson. You watch Jackson, it's a lot of it's, you know, you know, it's option play and, or let me go to my first read, and if it's not there, he's taking off with his legs. So it's a little bit harder to judge him in that instance. So I would say it's probably – Darnold Rosen Jackson Allen for me at this point.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to have differing views on that. And it'll be curious to see, I'll be curious to see what happens with Josh Allen when he gets to the next level. Because as you mentioned, and I'll go into some Wyoming football on you here just because I love the guy so much and his ability and his skill set. You know, he lost his top three receivers. He lost an 1,800 yard rusher and he lost his uh, center that went to the NFL, too. So the talent that he lost, and I think last year you saw that in the Nebraska game where he really presses to make plays and tries to save his team. And it's just not going to happen when you're playing, you know, a power five school and you're out there with these guys that play at Wyoming. And, you know, if he goes to the NFL and he goes in the top five, you're going to go to a program that is not up to snuff with the rest of the league. So does that same thing continue to happen? Can he reign it back in? It'll, I'll be really curious to see what happens with all those guys and especially, you know, Josh or uh, Josh Allen, my guy. But uh Kyle, I got to before I get you out of here, I got to ask you. Do you have anything else in the works currently or just the the Twitter feed?
1: Uh just the Twitter feed to be honest and I'm kind of like I kind of like to think of myself as a nomad. Like I'm going on this podcast and that podcast and you know, I'm really grateful for all the people that I met through my show because it's like I have this little network of people, particularly throughout the AFC East and just in the NFL community as a, in general. So, like, you know, I still go on Bill's podcast and I'm going on another Dolphins one. So um, I don't really have anything else per se other than, you know, I'm just kind of still I'm still dipping my toe into the football realm and I'm enjoying it. But nothing in particular other than I'll just be tweeting out lots of gifts of Jets plays. Which many of the many of which will be bad. So you Dolphins fans, you know, <laughs> you want to see some good Dolphins plays. You know, check in my Twitter feed in about a week.
0: Yeah, that's Kyle Smith at AFC East Bros. And Kyle, please, please keep doing what you do, man. I, I love having you on the show. I love following you on Twitter. And uh, and also tell Gary I missed chatting with him because I, you know, he was he always cracked me up every time I talk to you guys. So so tell him hey, I said hi. <laughs>
1: hey, I don't know if you know this, but because uh, we haven't been on the show, but Gary recently got engaged. Oh, right? good for him. So so he's getting married in about a year. And Chris Kruger of the Rock Power Report, yep. the show that you have been on, uh, Chris Krueger said that he came up with this brilliant idea to have Kyle Fahey as the ring bearer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, that is so that is so great. And for the fans that don't know you know the AFC East Bros history, I, I guess you got to go back into the catalog and check that out and give Kyle Fahey a follow on Twitter <laughs> to really appreciate how great that is. <laughs> uh, well, tell, Hey, tell, tell Gary congrats, Kyle. And uh, again, thanks for coming on the show, man. really appreciate it. You guys can follow Kyle on Twitter, at AFC East Bros. Like I said, tweets a lot of good uh, scouting content with use of GIFs and drawing on his playing experience as well. Again, Kyle Smith, AFC East Bros. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, Travis. Hope to do this again. Yeah, we will. Well, week 7, uh, put it in your calendar. Gotcha. All right. That's Kyle Smith, guys want to make another huge thanks to Kyle Smith for coming on the show. I I really miss talking to that guy and his brother and the AFC East bros, but, uh, and that will do it for today's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, the Lockdown Dolphins Podcast, brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, they pay. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports Podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL, and check out thirdand10.com for the week two quarterback wrap. Back tomorrow, or excuse me, I should say Monday, with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Dolphins football. Fins up.
1: The list.